Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 218. My name is Brando. We got two guests for you today, two interviews for this episode coming up a little bit later on. We'll be taking, speaking to uh, Joe Cotella from the band Dead, D-E-D. I'm excited. They're on SiriusXM all the time. Um, and they're, I mean, we talk about, you know, obviously with Guns N' Roses, we talk about with that, you no know, new music, not just from them, but just new music in general, because that's why we love to, to reminisce what's out there. Well, Dead is out there, D-E-D, and they have a new song, uh, Parasite, as they work uh, on their sophomore efforts. So we'll be talking to Joe coming up a little bit later. But first, I want to bring on Joel Miller. Now, Joel is a former roadie who just put out a brand new book. Joel, first of all, hello. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it. No problem. And uh, I'm not sure how you initially found me because you just hit me up on Twitter, just like anybody else could do. And you said you had, um, which you do, and it's out now. It's gotten some great reviews by by GNR fans, a, a new book that's out a memoir of a roadie. Axel said, I made a great cup of tea. Scott Weiland liked The Carpenters and Ozzy drinks rosé. So it's a, it's a cute title. It's a clever title. It's, it's, I appreciate it's more than just the drug, sex, and rock and roll approach. You know, these little random. It's, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I guess, where to, I guess where to start with you? Because we can dive deep into the book, which we, we will, of course. But um, if you don't mind me asking, where are you from and how did you kind of... Uh, get on the road to being a roadie, I guess. Cause uh, I know it's not, yeah. yeah. How did that become part of your, your life? If you don't mind giving us a, a bit of a background. Sounds great. So I was born in England, but I was raised in Los Angeles and my father was an English car mechanic. He specialized in Jaguar cars. And, um, my dad was an, I don't know, odd guy. You know, he, he was a character. He was kind of fun. I've definitely tried to paint that picture in the book and make him, extraneous to the music scene and a little bit of fun. And he was doing a gearbox for a guy and the dude came and he, he was the lighting designer for Stone Temple Pilots. And I had worked in the film industry a little bit. I was what's called a set dresser. A set dresser, to be honest, is just the quickest is as a furniture mover. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I didn't really like it that much, but I was 20 years old and everybody hell, I don't know, I'm 43 and maybe still, but we, we're all trying to find what we want to do next. And this guy's like, hey, do you want to go on tour? And do you want to, uh, you know, work for us? I thought he was supposed to, I don't know if I should cuss. Yeah, you can curse, it's fine. 
I thought he was full of it. I didn't believe him at all. And maybe four or five days later or something like that, I was on a plane to Las Vegas and I was touring with the Stone Temple Pilots. And it was all just, it was all so fast. And I didn't, I got lucky. I think that's really what the answer is. I got lucky. I got lucky that my dad brought me up to this fella. I got lucky that STP needed a worker kid. I needed, I was a total grunt. I, did, I knew nothing about nothing, mm. but I worked hard. And I grew up across the street from Angelo from Fishbone. He's a singer of a band called Fishbone. Sure. And I always just, I loved music because of Angelo. I want, they would practice in their garage and he'd have all these cool guys over. And I just, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to work in the industry and it, it just kind of somehow connected. I don't know why, but boy, am I lucky. Mm. I, I like that. So do you recall that first, I guess the first STP show, uh, like how, how much do you interact? Cause yeah, we see roadies, you know, run out on stage before, make sure everything's on, uh, in, in place on stage and help out. But you know, I, I don't know the length, uh, the extent of interacting with the band. So did you have a lot of interaction with the band? Maybe that, that first day or what was that first day? Like, I guess, since you had no Not idea. At all. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing. I mean, they came on stage. I just remember looking at them with these big eyes going like, I wonder if these guys know that they hired this dude who doesn't even know how to use a hammer and he's labeled as their carpenter. <laughs> and then I knew, I mean, I say in the book, I wore a white t-shirt on stage. I didn't know. I only had white t-shirts and he never gave me any direction. So I didn't know that roadies wear black. I hadn't been to any shows really. I, I'd been to one concert, big one. Mm. And that was Steve Miller. And I was on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it was college. So, when I started working for those guys, I knew really quickly I didn't want to mess up the opportunity. And I absolutely felt it was an opportunity. I knew it was going to be a cool ride. I didn't have anything going on at home that was that interesting. And I just, I just wanted to have my story. And I, I didn't know how long that was going to be, but I wanted to have it. And to circle back around and answer your question, it depends how long you're on tour with the band. And it depends what band you're touring with. So like with Guns N' Roses, um, no, I'm not best buddies with most of the people in the band. I don't know them at all. I mean, you're a big tour with a lot of people and a lot of buses and a lot of trucks and stuff. And you're not hanging out drinking beers all the time. Now, if you've traveled with the band for 20 years, one would expect you to know some of these guys a little bit. I became pretty friendly with Dizzy Reed. Dizzy and I are pretty tight. But that's because I did a movie after touring and Dizzy did the majority of the score for the film and we became, well, we became pretty good friends. What film was this? What film was this? It's called the still life. Okay. And, um, I released it. It was distributed through Warner brothers and I just, I made a little movie and I filled it with rock stars. And I honestly, I thought I'd make a couple bucks and I didn't make a single penny, (laughs) but I had an awesome, awesome time. And I had cool people in it, you know, Jonathan Davis from Corn was the liquor store clerk. Oh, wow. Dizzy's the piano player in the bar. Josh Todd is the drunk dude in the bar. Okay. <laughs> uh, Louise. Yeah, it was really fun. It was, it was a super cool thing to have done. It, it's like the feather in the hat kind of thing, you know, and, and uh, uh, life's about exploration. So I, I got to try these different avenues and then you see what works for you. You, you see what, what seems to be good. Is the avenue now, or was it just to get your stories out now of a roadie? Is the avenue being an author? What's what's your 
you know, what's your, uh, I, guess, I guess, what is Joe Miller now, uh, along with, of course, author of this new book? Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a memorabilia dealer. So I deal a lot in film memorabilia, music memorabilia. I'm an art dealer. And um, I, I recently got the original handwritten sheet music for Pink Floyd, The Wall. It's, it's, um, it's Michael Kamen's sheet music for, for the album. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think Michael Kamen also worked on Use Your Illusion. I think. Okay. But um, anyway... I'm, I'm looking at maybe doing this memorabilia reality show. So they're pushing it. They're putting it all together now. And I'll let you know if that happens. I'll definitely clue you in. Sure. I sure. mean, uh, just on Guns N' Roses alone. I mean, you should see what some of these fans have. It's, it, you know, for me, who has a Guns N' Roses podcast to be like, whoa, you are out of control with your GNR uh, obsession. <laughs> some of these yeah, guys. no, I, I re- well, I talked about it a little bit in the book, but I remember this kid in Rio and his entire back was actual space. His whole, Jesus. whole back. I mean, and I just remember thinking like, whoa. <laughs> uh, I whoa. mean, that's, that's dedication. I, I, I just don't want another dude's face on, on my body like that. You know, wow. I wouldn't either. And especially when it's not like a little cameo performance here, dude, it's your uh, entire body. Well, whatever and, makes it know. happy. <laughs> whatever makes it. Well, that's it. I mean, I don't know this kid. Hopefully the kid's stoked. But I would be weird to be the musician and you see some dude who has your whole mug on, on his back. I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool, bro. I'm going to go away right now. <laughs> that's Maybe. Cra- Maybe. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been up to. I worked on the book. I'm, um, there's a fellow named Michael Grace. And Michael and I became pretty friendly years ago. Michael co-wrote Poltergeist. Oh, and okay. He did, uh, yeah. And he, he did some other cool world and some other cool stuff. And Michael was always saying, hey, you know. We should, we should write something together. I'm like, well, I got this new great idea, and it's called Poltergeist 4. <laughs> this okay. was before they did it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he always bugged me. Why don't you write a story about you? And I, it's hard, man. You know, So I blew it off for years. And then last year I had melanoma. I'm okay, mm-hmm. okay. but I had melanoma. And I'm thinking, like, dude, if I croak, Maybe, you know, maybe my nephews will never know that I was actually kind of cool. You know, I just, <laughs> so I started really, I started focusing on, on this book and I, I wanted it to be a fun read. I wanted people to read it and laugh a lot and enjoy it. It's not supposed to be, you know, I'm not trying to write a book about naughty stories and sexual escapades and drugs. There's lots of those books out there. Go for it. It's not what I wanted to Agreed. do. I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. I'll keep so going. I hope that came across and I hope you laughed out loud a few times because that's what I was, that was my goal. And that's the sense that I, you know, I, I wasn't able to read all of it because you were, it's, I don't know if you sent me a free link, but I was able to check some of it out on uh, an Audible, uh, no, Amazon mm-hmm. rather. And it's like what I alluded to before with just the title. I just like the, just the loose feel of it all. Like, and just the unique. Yeah, like I was talking. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, good. I, I was talking to Dizzy and I was like, <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, can you throw me a quote, man? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, what's it called? I'm like, it's called Axel said I made a great cup of tea. And he's like, you, you couldn't think of a better title, dude. <laughs> I'm all, I'm like, you know, we didn't, I didn't talk to the guy that much. I only had like two conversations. And, and then one of them was like, Hey dude, can you make me some tea? And then the second one was like, Hey dude, that's, you make some good tea. <laughs> and so, and so Dizzy's like, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the same conversation? 
like, I don't know. It could be the same conversation. <laughs> but I like the tongue-in-cheek of it. I thought it was really pretty damn funny. So that was it. That's cool. It is funny, and you're being honest. You're not like you were acting like you were rubbing elbows with Axel. It was – I have these – those interactions a lot where – you know, th- those who follow me on social media, yeah, I post pictures with uh, celebrities that I happen to meet. You know, not always through this podcast, but uh, again, normally I'm in Tribeca at iHeartRadio uh, in the heart of Times, you know, in, near Times Square. It's like it's New York fucking city now. And just big radio stations are there. So there are famous people there all the time. I remember the, the first, I think my, my first day there, Kelly Clarkson was doing like a, like a mini concert in the theater downstairs. So it's just, it's all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, they're not, they're not there to see me, you know, uh, they're there to talk to Charlemagne the God or, you know, Jim Kerr. I don't know if these names mean anything to you, uh, but you know, I'm looking at pictures right now that I have. I'm not, I don't have this kind of ego, but my, for my birthday last year, uh, my girlfriend decided to go on my Instagram and, and blow up some pictures I have with celebrities. So, yeah, one I have with uh, Ice Cube. Ice Cube, oh, right Ice Cube went into the bathroom while I was going out of the bathroom. I did not take a picture with him in the bathroom. I just waited <laughs> at the uh, the reception, and uh, she's kind of become like a uh, internet famous. But the receptionist uh, Anita, because uh, she did like a thing with like Will uh, Will Smith. Uh, she's like a lovely older older lady and she i guess asked her i'm like can you introduce me to ice cube when he comes out she's like oh sure honey you know <laughs> so she introduced me to, to ice tea and there's like a, a picture of that i'm not friends with uh, ice cube right there i'm not friends with ice cube you know it's like those, yeah. these random or uh, i don't know if i said this uh the most <laughs> before i've had him on the show jim brewer years ago oh yeah he's awesome man. He, he's great you know, he, he did um, a whole hour with me once uh, in studio oh, be- before so COVID. Yeah, it was one of the, the, the great experiences I've had doing this podcast, just like you. Like, I'm lucky. Oh, talented. You know, I, oh, I, that's- it's just like I consider myself lucky because I'm not, you know, anyone. I'm not anybody famous. I'm lucky with what I've been able to, uh, to, to, to achieve, I guess. But with Jim Brewer, years ago, I was working at Sirius XM, and uh, I was working, you know, a late Friday and you know, I was just board hopping. I wasn't really, I wasn't on air there. And, you know, the place was pretty much empty. You know, it's a Friday night. And I guess Jim Brewer, I think he still had the channel at the time, his own channel or show. And he went into the bathroom. I don't know why all my stories happen in the bathroom. So I'm at, <laughs> I'm at, uh, I'm at one uh, urinal and he's at the other end of the, uh, the aisle. The guys know what I'm talking about. And I'm not looking at him. I can just see my peripheral. I know what Jim Brewer looks like. So at the time, I just go, peeing next to Jim Brewer. This is the highlight of my career. And he goes, and his goat boy laugh. So for the longest time, like that was like my story I would tell people until I actually got to interview him. So I'm all those little stories I love because even it happens on this podcast, you know, little stories, little interactions with Guns N' Roses. So it's, I'm glad you put it down, uh, you know, in a book and, uh, for those who haven't uh, gotten their copy yet, uh, Dizzy writes on the cover, uh, I was forced to relive moments I had intentionally blocked out. Great read. <laughs> so <laughs> what did he, I mean, was he being, just being silly? Because it's, it's, I love that, that, that quote, but was there a specific story maybe that he was like, oh, yeah, like he, he forgot? Or was that like a funny, just like a funny quote? I think I read him a couple sections just for the fun of it. I mean, I used to sort of manage him. 
But okay. like when I managed them, what my payment was shots of Jägermeister. Nice. <laughs> so we did that for a while. His, his stories are amazing. If you ever get him on. He's been on. He's, he's way. Yeah. Thankfully, he was he on. been on. Yeah, the, he was on, let's just call it one and an eighth time. Because the first time, he, well, both times he came on with uh, with Alex Grassi from uh, from Quiet Riot. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and also, yeah, and also Hookers and Blow, Dizzy's other band. So they, <laughs> the first time I was supposed to interview him, but he, I, I don't know, they were partying hard the, the night before, and he was just like, no. he, was, he was sleeping in his hotel room. So his, uh, his, his wife was nice enough to hop on the phone and we were talking to her for a bit, Nadia. And I said, if you're yeah. down with it, it would be a funny bit just to wake him up briefly. You know, don't piss him off if you think it's okay. So she woke him up gently and I said hi to him and he was on the podcast for like a minute. But th- thankfully <laughs> he, he came back like maybe like a year later with Alex and he was on for almost like an hour and just a really good guy. You know, does he's a, good he's a guy. great guy, man. And, he's a super good dude. He, you got to get him to tell someone. Actually, if you know he's coming on, I'll give you a couple prompts. He has a story about the bathroom, and it's with Bruce Springsteen. That is, it's an awesome story, and I'll let I'll let you ask him it. But okay, no, just- I, I like that because uh, you know it's so it's funny whenever we see a GNR book, I say we as the fan collective because uh, it's hard to get a, a book out there about Guns N' Roses because. I don't know. The, the lot about this band isn't said, or what's said is shot down with you know, uh, you know lawsuits. So it's just like over the years. I'm not trying to just mention anything uh, specific, but just to, yeah. for you to talk about your experiences, and you know if it's another if it's a light experience that you're talking about, and a, a funny light experience with Dizzy, because I can't talk, I just can't talk too much Guns N' Roses with him. It's just. It's just the, yeah, nobody the way ever of the wants beast. to get into trouble, you know. Nobody ever in anything. It's not just Guns and Roses. It's in life. Who wants to get into trouble? So, but he's got a few light stories that are, you know. Ask him about. Uh, I don't know. We can talk. He's got some amazing stuff. I don't. Know. He'll call me and be like, "What are you telling my stories for?" When it's you're on the podcast well, with the guy. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know next time I have him on because you know these are stories I, I want to hear. Because yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll talk hookers and blow with him. Of course, that's what we we're always going to talk about and. They're shaping up what ask seems to be who, an awesome great, uh, record. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Go ahead. Ask him who he's witnessed take Slash's bottle of Jack. Oh. That story is awesome. Okay, now I'm excited. Now I'm excited. Okay. Yeah, that one's a good one. Right on. So, but he can go on and on and on and on. But the dude's been on the road for so many years. He's got so many wonderful, like really hilarious and not harmful stories. You know, they're just fun little stories. They're, they're like, that's, that's awesome. Well, <laughs> wait, well, we'll wait for his book right now. We got yours. So we found out, uh, we don't want to give everything away. We found out the, the crazy backstory of giving Axel Rose a, a, a cup of tea. You know, anything about Scott you can, you can share. Cause I, you know, of, of course, unfortunately I haven't had, he passed away before I had any opportunity to, to have this kind of platform to interview him. But we've had, uh, yeah. Doug Grion from the Wild Abouts on. We've had, you know, uh, Rocco from who worked with him with Velvet Revolver. We've had a lot of people. Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver. We've had some people close sure. to him. Uh, and so, what can you tell us about Scott Weiland? And, and of course, if you want to leave it as a teaser, the, the Carpenters uh, part of it. But is any, what can you tell no, us? No, not Scott? at all. Like, no. So, okay. So the first tour I'm doing is STP, and I'm. I think I'm like 22 or 20. I think I'm 23 by like a week, if I remember right. I, I forget, but I'm, I'm really young, man. And I just didn't want to get fired. 
And that's what, that was like my whole goal. And I worked my little ass off and I learned a lot. And it was cool. I liked Scott, you know, I've heard a lot of stories from, from people in the band to like random fans about, he, he was tough. He was really tough. I never saw any of that. He, he treated me real good. I, I never really had any moments where he scared the hell out of me uh, for any reason at all. He was actually like a comforting, pretty good dude. Kind of refer to the band really as being like older brotherly type guys. And I think it's because of the age difference. That being said, the age difference is they're younger than you and I are now. <laughs> it's just, I was really young. Mm. So I, I think I had a closer relationship with Scott than I had with Axel for sure. I mean, my, you know, my, my, my relationship with Axel really did come and go with that little funny conversation type thing. I, it's more I than I got. Me it's more than I got. So <laughs> you have me beat. Yeah. Well, that was it, you know, for a big fan. So I'm a kid, I'm 13 years old and I got a gift certificate for uh, Sam Goody. Remember Sam Goody and all the malls. Sure, right? sure. And I could afford an, a CD and a tape. And I remember thinking whoever got me this gift certificate should have got me something for the warehouse because they were cheaper. So what does a dude do? Does he buy Hysteria or does he buy Appetite on CD? What What do you do? And I, it was the biggest decision ever and I got Appetite on CD. But the CD player I had at my house didn't really work. <laughs> so I listened to Hysteria a lot. And then I would run every day listening to Appetite for Destruction. And I, I was just a super, I was a super fan. I loved the, the emotional effect the music gave me. So I'm coming off of STP and my boss says to me, hey, we got to talk, you know, because the next band we're working for, they're really big, man. I mean, really big. And I need you to maintain a level of professionalism. And, the, and as he's telling me this, I'm just looking at him like, it's got to be Guns N' Roses. It's got to be, because <laughs> there's only one band they know I'm like head over heels for. And I used to tell people like, you know, Guns N' Roses is my Led Zeppelin. They're, 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 but it's not true. Guns N' Roses is my Guns N' Roses. You know, yep. now as an adult, I, can, I feel comfortable saying that. But back, and I just, I, I just remember all the hair standing on my head and like when I had hair. Yeah, well, and I'm just sitting there thinking like, there's no way that I'm going to get to work for guns. There's just no way. And then it, it came true. My dream came true. And I'm sitting in the studio watching these guys perform and I'm just mesmerized with how talented they are. And I, and I saw a lot of talent. I did a lot of radio shows. I'm assuming most of your, most of your listeners probably know how radio shows work. But the quickie is it's shorter sets with more bands. So you get to see a lot of people. And I saw Ozzy a lot and a lot of people that I thought were really, really cool. Axel, for whatever reason, had this like higher level for me. And I just, uh, I felt I musically appreciated him more than a lot of other people growing up. And when I saw him come in, and when I saw him, I thought he was really a cool guy. Um, and I, I've, I've, you know, like you, I've heard some of the horror stories of how hard he can be to deal with and all that. I don't know. He seemed pretty cool to me, like the whole time. And then when he performed, I remember just watching him like, Chinese democracy is going to be badass. And he's going to look at everybody and be like, screw you all. Wait till this shit comes out. You know? And there was a few songs that they played that I just was like, this is it. You know, this is it. Man. This guy is... This is why he looks at you and says, screw you. And then, you know, the other people are like, well, how do you feel about waiting for hours and hours and hours? And I'm thinking like, well, <laughs> it's called a job. The dude was paying me. If you don't want to work for the guy, quit. 
it. Yeah, yeah. So I never had any issues. I really, really didn't. I always had the utmost respect, and I was never not a fan. I was always a fan appreciating every opportunity. And they came. They really did. I loved watching all those guys play. You know, he hired the best guys in the world, and they were cool to watch. Right on. Uh, anything you could tell us about um, Dolores? Because you also wrote it for the Cranberries. You know, of course, uh, we we lost her unfortunately recently. Uh, many oh, any cool experiences um, with that band, with the Cranberries, with that band. So with them, I stayed real quiet. I heard she was kind of difficult to deal with. I heard Axel was difficult to deal with. I kept getting hired by bands I was told was difficult to deal with, and so you know you don't want your boss to be mad at you, so you just kind of shut up. So on the Cranberries, I didn't really talk a lot. And she got me while we were in Mexico and she sat down next to me and she said, so Fergal, Fergal's the drummer from the band, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet on a tangent. He really is a good guy. She's all, Fergal says you speak and I want to hear it. And so I kind of smiled thinking like, oh man, you know, we're in a bar. She's going to get me drunk and I'm going to get fired for sure. (laughs) And so um, she's like, well, we're going to buy some tequila. And they were buying really high end tequila. They, they have the means to do so. So I'm like, yeah, I don't really drink tequila. And she's like, yeah, well, with me, you do. <laughs> and we drank with tequila all night. And she was a very cool person. I actually liked her a lot. She's a nice lady. And, um, you know, what it really goes to show is some of these stories where people paint these bad lights, I think it's done like, in, it's done intentionally to get a story. And it's not necessarily true. Right. And uh-huh. maybe people can be like, you know, tough and they can be abrasive and everything. But with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everything in life is timing. You know? I know. Maybe the guy we doesn't want to talk to you. You're right. We yeah, all are. Man. That's why I, 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 yeah, I just like with you and your book, I, I focus my podcast the same way. I'm not out for a certain clickbait. I mean, sometimes I can't help what a, uh, an outlet does with a, an interview, but I never really try to put my interviewee in that position because you're, Honestly, I've heard for the most part what you're saying about Axel. I, I haven't gotten, I don't know if, I, if I've had any negative story about him on the podcast, and that wasn't by design. No one's really had anything bad to say about him. You know, and, and Scott, I know he's had his, 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 you know, I've had my demons, and, uh, you know, it seems like there was two Scott Wylands, and that's, unfortunately, that's what happens. I, I, really, I really feel so, and I think a lot of it has to do with drugs, okay? And I wasn't witness to that, ever. Um, that I was aware of. And so you don't get to see the dark side or I actually not get to see, I didn't, I didn't see the dark side and I'm sure it was there. I've heard it from too many people, but for me, it was a different experience. It was a, it was a level of respect. And I, I think like the, the whole book encompasses just, I'm a fan, I'm a music fan. And I'm telling you some like fun stories that as a fan of any of these bands, kind of cool to know, you know, I read this fun story, made me laugh. And, and that's, it's such a big deal in life now, getting a couple chuckles here and there. And it, it's important, I think. And that, that's really, really my whole effort and everything I was trying to do. And, you know, actually, like I said, he got mad at me and he fired me once. But then at the time, they're like, well, you know, everybody gets fired. Wait, Axel, <laughs> just, Axel fired you once? 
yeah, he, he called the studio and I'm, I'm one of the couple people in the rehearsal studio and I pick up the phone. I can't hear him because the band's playing and he's trying to talk and I don't know who it is. I never knew who it was. And then finally one of the other guys comes and he goes, dude, just hang up the damn phone, man. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So I hang up the phone and then it's like, that was Axel on the phone. He really pissed him off. I'm like, oh, dude, why did I got to pick up the phone? <laughs> <laughs> And then he's like, yeah, he's really pissed, dude. He's going to fire you. So then they're like, well, just don't come to work tomorrow. And then he'll forget all that. <laughs> and um, I didn't get, I don't know. Maybe I did get fired, but maybe I didn't. I'm, I don't think I'll ever find out because I'm very certain he does not remember the story. Okay, because I would have been like that. You know, I, I like the made a cup of tea title, but to have your, your book called Axel Fired Me, you know. Axel <laughs> Fired Me. Can I still put his name in the title of my book? Maybe that's what it should have been. <laughs> we were trying to think of like fun names. I was having beers with buddies and we're trying to think of funny stuff. And it's got to be short, you know, the, the book is like, it was too long. I was trying to think of funny. Oh, the Carpenters. So I, I had the opportunity one day to go through Scott Whelan's um, CDs, right? And he like, he had a lot of Carpenters stuff in there. I love the Carpenters. I think they're great. And when there was a sound issue, the band would either play Zeppelin, The Doors, or The Carpenters. And it was funny because the audience would not be an audience you would expect to be all about it. But hearing Scott with that, that he had this smooth voice, it complimented every Carpenter song so well because it was so good but so different. And I never heard him finish a Carpenter song. I hope one day because... I know for the tour I did, which was the album four, they recorded, I think, every single performance off the desk. It would be magical experience for people to hear him sing The Carpenters. It was incredible. I hope that I exists it. somewhere. Hopefully that... It's got to exist. It's mm -hmm. got to, you know, and totally separately, like I heard how Marlon Brando got into The Godfather and he did it because he actually had to do an audition and I would love to see that. How cool would that be? You know, you can find it on YouTube. You can, Coppola tells you the story of how Brando auditioned for him. And it's super awesome. you got to spend the time. Okay. I, 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 I will do that. <laughs> I'll definitely do yeah. that. And let me ask before it escapes me, since you worked with him, am I, is it, is it Wyland or Wheeland? Because I've heard. You know what? Not, I always say Wyland and then people will say Wheeland. I don't know. He never corrected me, but I wasn't like, hey, Scott Wyland, sir. I'd just be like, hey, oh, Scott. Okay. You said so, the, but I always uh, said Wyland. You said the other way, Wheeland, because I've heard that too. But I want to make sure, because you know what? A lot of these, you know, these names, it's like when I've had, um, oh my God, why am I forgetting his, his complete name now? Uh, from Vanilla Fudge, uh, Vinny uh, Apice or uh, Apici. Like it's, it could be like one of those. It's like however you want to pronounce it in that time. You know, and I think the two yeah. brothers, Vinny, and they, they, they pronounce it differently. So <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I'm like, mm, is that is that a story that I have had the majority mis been uh, mispronounced? I've always it? said Wyland. Okay. I've always said Wyland, but then I've heard people say Wheeland, and I've heard people like who are in the music industry say Wheeland. So I don't know if I'm wrong or right. I don't know. All right. Well, I've been saying Wyland my whole life, so I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> I'm going to do, do it too. If I'm wrong, I'm going to blame you. <laughs> Sounds good. Blame you. Uh, Joel, yeah. this was fun, man. Uh, let us like, can you tell us where we can find uh, memoir of a roadie? Cause this sounds like a really fun read. Amazon. So you can get it on Amazon right now. And I'm halfway through doing an audio book because people don't really read <laughs> me included, <laughs> me included. I'm pretty bad. 
But, um, and then I had this one interview and the guy's like, you wrote like the tome of the roadie. <laughs> it, is the, it is the biggest book I think any roadie's ever written. I was kind of laughing, but it's wow. true. It is pretty, it is pretty big. So uh, I, I'm going to try and release that audiobook at some point here and uh, see how that goes. But I'm just riding the roller coaster. I'm trying to enjoy it, it all. And I have been a lot. I really have. I've had a few fans reach out to me and, you know, one lady reached out. She's like, how could you not know that Axel played guitar? You know, my response was like, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Fans, fans are funny. Fans are funny. But this was, this was cool because it's like it's the perspective, yeah, of a of a of a roadie, but also a fan. You can hear their passion in your in your voice, and you know, understanding the the trip that you went along. And I'm glad we kind of got get to go along with it, uh, you know, with you. So, uh, Joel, this well, was cool. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to their their next album, you know, and I, I, I feel comfortable they're going to have one. And as a fan, I, I can't wait to get it. I really, I can't. So, and, you know, oh, thank yeah, you no. for the opportunity, man. You know, it's, it's, it's not doing like an interview. It's cool to talk to like a fellow guy who can kind of geek out with you a bit on like how cool some of these guys are. Because to me, they are. They are all really neat. They are. And then that's my approach. I mean, yeah, I have a a bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism. That's whatever. No, it's, I, I just listened to so much, uh, interview, so many interview styles over the years and the yes and no has no flow to it. There could be specifics, but you know, for the most part, I guess I want to see where the conversation is. I'm more comfortable with that. Uh, and I, and I, as you're showing the, the guest is more comfortable with that. So, you know, uh, yeah, you're fun yeah. to talk to. I appreciate it. You're like, you're pretty easy going. This has been a good one. I well, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you, Joel. And we'll we'll talk. And soon. I did. I might have listened to a couple of your podcasts after I wrote you, and they're really good. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to a couple more. I liked it. I, I listened to the Greg one from Bad Religion, and that nice. was pretty cool. I liked that. I nice. love Bad Religion. That that means a lot. Cool. You know that that means a lot. That's how I kind of get guests. I appreciate that. People who come on the show who are like, oh, I checked out your other interviews. I'm like, oh, that, that's cool. You know, it's like they're all there, all, you know, 200 plus, but, you know, it's. Well, I'm going to do D. Snyder tonight. I, did, I didn't get <laughs> enough time today, but I, I, D. Snyder was so much fun. So I'm looking, I'm going to definitely listen to that one. Yeah, but that was a great one. Yeah, that, he was uh, definitely a bucket list one. And he certainly has his opinion on uh, on Kiss and Guns N' Roses and everything else. D is a good guy. But we got to talk more yeah. GNR with you. So I, I know. My, my hardcore fan base appreciates that a little bit more. Awesome. Well, I appreciate being one of them, so thank you. Right on. And now we move on to, I'm excited, a great young band out of Arizona. Gets all sorts of airplay from SiriusXM. They have toured with major bands. Uh, we'll hear more about those tours and the, the GNR connection. So Joe Cotella of Dead, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, brother. So uh, you are calling, wait, so you're from Arizona, but where are you calling from right now, if you don't mind me asking? Like, like uh, upstate New York. Okay. Is that, do you have family there or uh, what's, what brings you there? My, my love lives there. We're, we live up here together now and, um, and uh, it's been nice. It's a switch up from Arizona for sure. It's, uh, it's uh, a lot, a lot, a lot cooler right now. That's for sure. All my buddies are like hundred degrees right now. So I'm enjoying it. Oh, for sure. Um, I just got back from um, from Vermont. We went up to Lake George before that, and upstate New York, it is beautiful. It is relaxing to get away from from stuff. But I guess I got to ask you, and I, of course, this is a question that comes up all the time with musicians. 
Like, are you, how are you keeping busy or are you utilizing this time just to relax or are you going nuts because you're not out on the road? Like, how are you handling, you know, being in quarantine? Yeah, it's like, it's like ups and downs. It's like certain days, you know, you're like, it's like, oh, this is great. I have so much time and, you know, to like do a lot of working out and cooking and like, um, you know, writing, writing more music and, you know, doing anything you want really because usually we're out on tour. And so, like, having that step back is nice, but then, yeah, there's that other side of you that's super frustrated that you can't go play shows and you can't, you know, travel and do whatever you're used to, what you know, what you do all the time. So, it's a mixed bag, and, and just, like, um, certain days you're, you're mad about it, and certain days you love it. So, um, I just always try to just be on the, like, you know, the grateful side and just be like, you know, it is what it is, and uh, make the most of it, pretty much. Well, it's cool that you have new music available and it's only your, your second record. So can you talk to me about the new song Parasite and what the new album is about? And, you know, I'm assuming yeah. it's on all the platforms that we can normally get music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Par Parasite's out right now. Um, you know, a little bit uh, on the heavier side of Dead, which is which is always good. Been getting some good feedback from the fans on that one. <clears throat> and we have a couple other ones out, a Manic Nile and iPhone Shutter out. So we've just been kind of releasing singles um, for right now until we can figure out, you know, when the album could come out. You know, again, it's like we were supposed to do a tour um, in this moment, um, Black Bull Bride um, tour that was supposed to happen and had to postpone that. So um, we'll wait until we can announce when it's rescheduled and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll get the, the full album details will be coming soon. But for right now, just putting out um, like singles and, and that kind of thing. Um, it's really cool. Honestly, I really like doing it this way. Um, you kind of space it out. And, um, you know, when you put out a full album, it's like, whatever 12 songs you, you, they get you know you get barrage you know you get barrage um with uh with with with, with all the music and it's kind of cool to put it out and uh, let people digest it um you know song by song so it's uh, it's just a different way of doing things i guess yeah that's kind of what yeah. i do with my podcast there are people who release stuff all the time and i'm like i, I can just you know once at a, once a little bit and enjoy these things the way you know kind of uh dive deep into the music or to the podcast before, you know, and don't feel so overwhelmed, I suppose. Correct. You know, yeah. a, a question, actually, I, it's, it's funny. It hasn't come to me before to ask when I've had vocalists on, are you doing anything? Like, I guess, how is your regimen with your voice? Like, is that some, is it something like how, you know, like how now with sports, uh, with baseball and football players, they have to train differently. They're, they're creatures of a habit. Like, is there anything different that you're doing to kind of keep up, you know, once you're ready to get back out there uh, vocally? You know what? I I haven't really. I'm, and I'm not like a huge, like, warm up before the show kind of guy. I usually just, like, warm up with, like, a couple beverages, honestly. Nice. Um, so, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge warm up person. Um, and I think, you know, I've taken times off where, you know, where there's been some time off before. And you just got to, it's, it's like a muscle. It's just like, like maybe lifting weights you can compare it to or something where, you know, you haven't done it in a while. You don't just go back and, and just jump into like, you know, bench pressing 300 pounds or whatever. You know what I mean? You, you, you do like, you know, smaller type of things. This is the same thing with your voice. You don't just jump in and start, start wiling out for, for two hours straight. So it, it's just a muscle that you exercise when the time is there. And, and I just kind of organically do it. I'll just, I just, you know, been singing at home, uh, acoustic guitar, and like, you know, jamming by myself or we did, um, we did like a live, um, a live like like home invasion thing on Octane this past weekend for Liberty Weekend. A bunch of bands um, were on there, like Metallica and um, Corey Taylor and stuff. Not a bunch of different bands. So we're just doing like little things here and there. And um, you know, as far as like my voice, like 
Well, it, it, it's, I've been using it for such a long time. Like it, it, it's usually pretty reliable for me. I don't really need to keep it up like, like, you know, uh, too much, you know? Um, but then once we start touring again, you know, it's a whole different monster than just when you're home jamming or recording or something like that. When you're touring and, um, you're doing it every night, um, in and out, you know, not sleeping as much as you usually should or eating, you know, as good as you want to. So it, it's just different things. And, you know, you just adapt and, and you, you train for that, for, for whatever's coming up, you know, that kind of thing. You know, to see you out on the road with the Black Veil Brides, that's, you know, that, that that's uh, the 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 younger generation of rock and metal that, you know, that thrives on being out and about. So, I mean, I, I can't wait to, to see you guys because I, ha- I have yet to experience uh, dead live, which I like. That's a, that's a way of, that's a certain way of putting it. I like dead live, I guess. Dead live. Yeah, that's the <laughs> preferred We thrive live. I think that's where, you know, rock and metal and stuff. Like, I really think the live setting really is like the truest, you know, purest form of it. And um, it's my it's my favorite version for sure. And I love uh, I love touring, man. I can't wait to do it again. Because there's no faking it. You know, there are people who can do anything inside a studio, but when you're out there, you're out there. You know, and that's where yeah. rock. You know, that's that's what you know. I gravitate towards it's it's real. So, if we could talk about the some of the the tours that have happened, you know prior to the mm-hmm. world having the apocalypse, how was your experience uh, with, with Korn and, and Stone Sour? I mean, you've toured with major bands. Yeah, correct. I mean, they were amazing tours, man. I mean, um, that was one of our, one of our first like real, real, real tours that we did too. We had done some smaller stuff before that, but that was like a big first one. And, um, you know, that was incredible. Like being, you know, two, two front men and two bands that, that I definitely look up to and have grown up listening to and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I guess to have them take you out is just one of the biggest, like, I guess, validations of your art. And that's like one of the coolest things, you know, you can get from people. And I do remember there was a show where like Jonathan uh, from Corn and then Corey from Stone Sour and Slipknot, they were both on opposite sides of the stage watching us. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. two of your biggest like, watching you play. Um, and I guess, like I said, in, in a sense, validating that, you know, your, your music is something legit you know, from people that inspired you. I mean, it just doesn't really get much better than that. You know, it's really cool in that sense. And, um, you know, great reactions from the crowd. Um, it was, it was an awesome time. It was really great. I mean, do you, I often admit, cause yeah, I, I do this professionally, but I get nervous all the time. I famously talk about how nervous I am talking to, to Dave Mustaine. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and I, I admitted to him the second time around and that's, that's my charm. But I mean, that's what I tell myself, but do you, when and during those moments, do you see those, you know, Corey and John and Jonathan and like, you just, uh, is there a moment of like, holy shit? Or is it, you know, like, like, I guess, how do you, other than just being an amazing feeling, do you internalize that as a, um, okay. Yeah. Now it's my time to show them, you know, what I'm really about. Or, you know, do you like, Oh my God, they're, they're watching, you know, like a, like a teacher watching you do, you know, take a test or something like that. Um, wow. That's an interesting way to put that. Um, no, I, I think, I think I, I've had those moments, you know, in, in, in time, um, over the years where I meet certain people and, and I have been a little taken back by it. Um, but I think I've had so many of those now that at this point that that doesn't necessarily happen anymore. Sure. Um, it, you know, maybe if I met like some, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's always different too. It could be somebody that maybe isn't the biggest artist, but they were important to me. You know, I think that's what it comes down to is like someone that's impacted your life. They've been like the soundtrack to your life in, in, in certain occasions, you know, and it's like such a special thing that's so intimate. 
um, to each of us. You know, we each have our different people that have done that. So I think, but, but at the point of meeting them, it's really cool. I just put it like that. Like, it's really cool. I respect them and I respect their art and they're really awesome guys. So, you know, it, it's not like a, a fan type thing. It's just like a, you know, that's cool. Like, that's awesome. Like, I, you know, I, uh, I'm just appreciative, like I said, to like just to, to be around and to, to have them take us on tour and that kind of thing. And, and then to become cool with them too. Over time, you know, you tour together, you see each other every day and, um, you know, you're hanging out and stuff and just, I mean, you, you just become chill and, and, um, like that's, that's what, you know, it's super cool. Right on. And of course I got to ask because this is uh, you know, appetite for distortion, uh, GNR podcast. I mean, if you had, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised when GNR goes out on the tour, uh, on tour again, they're very creative with who they select for opening acts. I mean, corn has, I, I mean, I would be, honestly, I could see a Corey Taylor vehicle in, in GNR doing something in the future, but uh, have you had any experience uh, seeing Guns N' Roses in, in person, or uh, did they in- influence you in in any way? Yeah, I have a lot of uh, things with Guns. Well, we played um, Download Festival uh, the same the same uh, weekend as Guns N' Roses actually. Right. So, uh, in a way, it was cool to just like you know understand like growing up like Guns N' Roses was like the the shit to me. Like my older cousin had all their posters all over his walls and like I was real little but like I loved them. I had like the Paradise City uh, cassette, you know, with I think Move to the City was the B side on it or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah. Um it, and then like Terminator Two, Guns N' Roses was a soundtrack to that. Like all that stuff is like from when I was real real young and, and but I remember it so fondly. Like I lo- I just absolutely love Guns N' Roses recorded like the Paradise City video and everything. So to be like on a festival with them on the same flyer and that kind of thing and Really cool, man. Like, um, you know, I, I met, um, man, I met one of Slash's drummer. I don't know. You know, you meet different people from different places. You, I can't remember all, all the people I met, but like, absolutely love Guns N' Roses. And to just a band, like I said, on a on a flyer in association with them, and um, just a band that I, that I you know know so well and, and love so much, man. It, it, yeah, it's awesome to to I guess in a way be a part of, of things with them. Yeah, that that's cool. That's another way of looking at your experience, you know, being on stage and, and uh, you know, Corey and, and Jonathan looking at you. That as you become your young band and your 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 name is on the same poster as as Guns N' Roses. I mean, that's that says a lot of of just how far you've come, and that's something else you can, you know, kind of be like in disbelief or and and, and be so proud of. So that's absolutely part of the. Uh, the journey of a successful, successful band, you know, absolutely. Wow. So that's, that's, and, and, and I often talk about, cause I just turned 37 and you know, I, when appetite came out, I was four, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. And, and so we talk about different age groups, like when they discover the band and that's part of the reason other than like, yeah, they're my you know favorite band. I'm a nerd, but I think just who they are and no matter what age, you, you discover them differently. So you mentioning Terminator 2, you know, and you right. could be mine, that soundtrack, that's that's a way so many other people discover Guns N' Roses. It's super cool. And then all those years later, you know, you're on the same bill. And that's, <laughs> life is yeah. life is funny. Life is funny. Oh, yeah. Just like how uh, we're honest on this show all the time. So since I'm recording and doing these podcasts at home, as we're all in quarantine, normally I'm in a studio and I, normally give out that studio number, but uh, I guess in addition to when I give out my cell now, some people who, um, some labels I, I've dealt with also, I guess just give out that studio number as a backup. <laughs> so you called the backup number 
And the voicemail goes to one of the shows that I work on for Premier Radio Networks, and that is the Sweat Hotel with Keith Sweat. What went through your mind? Like, like what, what show am I going on? <laughs> because he was like, it is Keith. And, and, and I was like, I don't think that was the name of the guy. And, you know, and, he, and he's still going on the, on the message. He's like, something about leave me your darkest desires and stuff like that. <laughs> the thing, I'm like, what the hell? But, you know, I'm, I'm, game, for, I'm game for anything. So I was like, okay. And uh, I didn't end up leaving a message, but I almost want to call back and leave a message. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, that was definitely the weirdest, uh, you know, message I've ever come across calling in for an interview. But, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, he's legit though. I, I definitely remember some of his stuff from back from uh, from back in the day too, for myself too. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Keith Sweat's funny, and that's kind of you called at the perfect time. Even though this was a, a ha- we we had a I don't know. This was meant to be this time because I just yeah. got off the phone with Keith and I was recording some some liners for him for his syndicated stations. So <laughs> and then so life is again just so funny. You know, mine is maybe more comical involving Keith Sweat, but yours is more badass involving. You know, corn and uh, and being on the same bill as GNR, but whatever, whatever makes us happy. Uh, so, uh, so uh, Joe Catello, where what's the best way to keep up with with Dead and uh, and everything going on? Yeah, this way, I guess, um, like just the social stuff. Uh, Instagram is Dead Official, it's D E D Official. Um, Twitter's We Are Dead, that kind of thing. Um, and um, following us, following the band members, following the band, and uh, we post. We post all the time. So that's, I would say those are the best ways to do it. Right on. Thank you so much yeah. for your time today. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on, brother. It was, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And thanks to all of you for being so awesome for hanging out for another edition of Appetite for Distortion. Whether you're listening on iHeartRadio or Podbean, uh, Spotify, oh, follow. You know, not Don't just listen. Subscribe to us. Leave us a comment or review if you can. Uh, that's always appreciated. And I do want to announce, um, I mean, it's not a big announcement. I guess I should be embarrassed. It's taken me so long to update my YouTube page. But you would think I've been doing all these uh, interviews via Zoom. Uh, these two today uh, happen not to be. But uh, a lot of my Zoom interviews are now on my YouTube channel. So interviews with Dave Mustaine, Doug Goldstein, Tracy Amos, uh, Robert Frank, uh, Gary Beers from NXS. Um, you know, the episodes we've done from uh, Mark from Golden Robot Records. Um, he co-hosted a bunch. Uh, it's just a, a Steve Riley from L.A. Guns is up there as well. Um, I actually went back uh, when Jim Brewer was in studio for an hour. I put that up, that up there. So um, if you want to, you know, relive the, the video uh, interviews or just want to find them all easily in one place, just look for Appetite for Distortion, the AFD show on YouTube. And please, uh, you know, like and subscribe, as all the kids say. So until next time, when will you hear the next edition of Appetite for Distortion? Well, in the words of Axel Rose, who wants about Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know if soon is the word. security i'm going home it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.